You're listening to City Church Manchester. We are a church that invites everyone to enjoy Christ for the glory of God. If we can serve you in any way, then visit our website at citychurchmanchester.org to find out more. Again, thank you so much for giving me the privilege of sharing God's word with you this afternoon. Uh, Please do have that passage open in front of you. But before we dive in, um, as we're hearing, this is is tough stuff. This is Ecclesiastes, so we need God's help. So let's pray. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always pleasing in your sight, O Lord, who through Jesus Christ is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Great, well let me begin by asking you a question. It's quite a simple question, and it's just this. What's for dinner? What are you having for dinner? Have you given your evening meal much thought? Because this second chapter of Ecclesiastes is about how you can enjoy your dinner. Amongst other things, but firstly let's think about dinner. So are you going to enjoy your dinner, your supper, your tea, or whatever you call it? can see one or two of you now contemplating what you might have maybe there's some leftovers lurking in the back of your fridge maybe there's that takeaway joint that you'll pass on your way home well whatever it is that you end up having for dinner I really hope that you enjoy it because it's good to enjoy dinner isn't it it's good to enjoy the food we eat easy for me to say hey well now let me open this up a bit further and think not just about what you're going to have for dinner But what are you going to do for the rest of your week? Are you going to enjoy not just your meals, but your work, your home life, your hobbies, your family, your friends? In fact, are you going to enjoy your life? Because at the end of the day, that's what we all want, isn't it? To enjoy life. Uh, Turn on the TV, go online, scroll through your social media feeds, and isn't that what everybody is searching for? What everybody's longing for? We all want to enjoy life. We all want to get as much as possible out of this life. And yet the thing is, sometimes that enjoyment proves elusive. So whilst I was researching for this talk, which in reality is just shorthand for wasting some time on the internet, I came across this post on Reddit. Uh, It's going to be quoted behind me, I think. Yeah, there we go. I turned 20 several months ago and I feel like I'm already wasting my life. I'm anxious, nervous, stressed out, angry, can't sleep at night, sorry, always wanting to be perfect, always wanting to impress people, always putting other people's needs before my own, and I just want to stop and enjoy life. Every day I think about the finiteness of life and it causes me to worry and panic more. Sometimes I doom scroll unintentionally. Hearing all that news about violence, hatred, death and the like, it takes a massive toll on me, knowing I can't do anything about it. I don't want to be unhappy, miserable, scared and paranoid all the time. I really don't. I want to enjoy my existence, but I don't know where to start at all. I want to enjoy life, but I don't know where to start. Well, perhaps that's the sentiment that is shared by you this evening. I want to enjoy life, but where do I start? Well, I thought I'd start by going to the modern-day oracle that is Alexa. But I've got to say, she didn't turn out to be particularly helpful. She said, find the things you enjoy doing and do them more. 
and they tell me that AI is going to take over the world. Uh, go on then, Alexa, how do we even find the things we enjoy doing? How do we enjoy life? Well, I guess before we can answer that question, we probably need to ask a more fundamental question. And that is, what is life? What is it like? You see, if we're going to enjoy life, it'd be helpful to know what life is, what, it, what it's like for us. And conveniently, that's where Ecclesiastes starts in chapter 1. If you remember, at the beginning of the book, Kaheleth, the teacher, makes his opening statement, his verdict on life. This is chapter 1, verse 2, if you flick back. And he says this, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Which I've got to say, on first hearing, sounds about as helpful as Alexa. And yet, as Matt skillfully explained last week, the word here in Hebrew doesn't really mean meaningless, at least not in the way that we understand it. The word is, and I'm not going to say it as well as Matt did, hevel. That's the stop always, hevel. And as Matt said, it's best understood in two ways. Firstly, it can mean fading, fleeting, or temporary. So think of a proper cold day like yesterday. You know, when you step outside, your car's covered in uh, ice, you've got to scrape it off. And it's so cold, you can feel your chest tighten. And when you breathe out, you can literally see your breath in front of you. Well, imagine trying to grab hold of that vapour like little kids do, yeah? Trying to get hold of it. Well, as, as you open your hand to see what you've got, you've got nothing. Hevel. Such is life, says the teacher. Life is a mist. It's, it's temporary. It's fleeting. Actually, he says it quite poetically in chapter one, doesn't he? He says the sun rises and then the sun sets. The wind blows and the water flows. The mechanisms of life just keep on going. But you and I, well, we come and go. These three score years and ten, if we're lucky, will just fly by. All the while, the sun is setting and rising again. The world just keeps on going. It's paying no attention to us. It's all quite humbly. Because naturally, we want to believe that we're significant. We want to be remembered. But no, Kahela tells us that life is fleeting. And in the end, pretty much everything under this sun will be forgotten. But then secondly, the word hevel can also mean mysterious, absurd, enigmatic. And that life doesn't always pan out in the way that we'd hope or expect. So we can plot and plan and try to live life in the best possible way we can to achieve the best possible outcome in life. And yet life can still throw those confounding curveballs. Think of the super healthy gym freak who nevertheless gets cancer whilst the lazy couch potato lives to a ripe old age. Life has that ability to just get us scratching our heads. That's because life is fleeting, it's enigmatic, it's, it's hevel. But if that's then the case, how can we enjoy this life? Well, as Cal continues with his teaching here in chapter 2, he lays out two options for us. Two alternative ways of attempting to enjoy enjoyment in life. The first of which takes the bulk of the chapter, and it can be categorised as living life under the sun, which again, if you remember from last week, is Kahelith shorthand for living life without reference or consideration for the God of the Bible. It's living as if God is unnecessary and irrelevant to you. Unsurprisingly, Kahelith's going to show us that this option only leads to frustration and dis disappointment, ultimately proving heaven. But the second option he outlines in the last verses brings meaning and purpose to life and will help us to enjoy life in all its fullness. But you're just going to have to wait for that. So two options, two points. First one is this. 
You cannot enjoy life as gain. You cannot enjoy life as gain. What I mean is you can't simply find enjoyment in life by accumulating things, by gaining more things, things like experiences, riches, knowledge or fame. Kelleth says if you live like that, you will not enjoy life. In fact, if you live like that, you cannot enjoy life. You cannot enjoy life as gain. That is the outrageous claim here in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I say outrageous because when you think about it, it's the exact opposite of what we're told by our world every single day. Our world tells us that living life as gain is the only way to find enjoyment and happiness. So for example, think of advertising, which is pretty indicative of how our culture works. Advertising is all about living life for gain. So according to the adverts, if I were to buy a fancy new BMW, I could feel good and gain status and freedom and consequently enjoy my life more. Or if I were to wear Sauvage Elixir by Christian Dior, I could smell divine and gain sex appeal and desirability and therefore enjoy my life more. Or if I were to buy a Dyson vacuum cleaner, I could have the cleanest carpets in Christendom and gain the respect of everyone who visits my home. I might even be able to enjoy doing the household chores more, but it's doubtful. That's what our world tells us. That's the message we get day in, day out. Live life for gain and you will enjoy life. But Cahal says it's nonsense. It's nonsense. It doesn't work. It cannot work. And you know what? He should know because he speaks from experience. Back again in chapter 1, verse 2, Geheleth was introduced to us as a son of David, king of Jerusalem. Again in verse 12 of chapter 1, he restates, I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. Now, if we were to just take this statement at face value, then as a king, Geheleth would have every opportunity to live life as gain. Humanly speaking, he would have access all areas. There would be no limits, no holds barred for him. He could simply click his fingers and get whatever his heart desired. Not least because the period when Ecclesiastes was written likely coincides with the most prosperous and successful time in Israel's history. But you know, even if on the other hand, as some commentators argue, Kehelith isn't a literal king, but a hypothetical figure, Well, in that case, the only limits are the limits of the human imagination. Do you see that either way, in his position, either real or imagined, Kehelleth is presented to us as uniquely positioned to test out this hypothesis. And he does so by pursuing three areas where he hopes to gain. Pleasure, wisdom, and work. Which, again, I think it's fair to say is fairly reflective of the gains chased by the the world we live in, isn't it? Our friends, our colleagues, the people we live and mix with, perhaps even we ourselves, attempt to find enjoyment and meaning in life by gaining experiences and pleasure, wisdom and knowledge, success and work. I just want to say these words are timely and deeply relevant to us today. So first up, Kehelleth pursues the gain of pleasure. Chapter 2, verse 1. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. And yet, even as he begins, he concludes, but that also proved to be meaningless. 
Now, to be fair on the guy, he was pretty dedicated to his research, wasn't he? His pursuits in these verses read a little bit like an episode from Jack Grealish's Summer After Winning the Treble. Verse 3, he tries wine and frivolity. Verse 4, he takes on projects and accomplishments. He goes on then to try slaves, success, singers and sex. He tries it all. Verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labour and this was the reward for all my toil. He got to experience pleasure beyond what others can access or even imagine. And yet verse 11, it still proved meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Do you get that? He grasped for pleasure, all the pleasure that he could get his hands on, but when he opened his hands to see what was there, nothing, vapor, pebble. You cannot enjoy life as gain. You cannot find enjoyment through the gain of pleasure. Guys, I think we really need to hear this. Because as I said, we're told by our culture that if you want it, have it. Whatever it is, because it will make you happy. Through it, you will find enjoyment and fulfillment. And actually, it's a particularly dangerous time for us because generally speaking, we're more prosperous, we've got more leisure time and access to pleasure than any previous generation. So we can get whatever we want almost immediately. Even Caheleth might marvel at that. Today, you don't need to be a king to click your fingers and get what you want. You just need Amazon Prime or Uber Eats, and it can be delivered to your door before 10 p.m. We can have whatever we want, whenever we want it, whatever our hearts desire. And because of the sexual revolution, globalization, and the advent of the internet, the floodgates are open. Even lifestyles and excesses that were previously unthinkable, unimaginable, unattainable, they're all accessible to us, even from the comfort of our living rooms, streamed onto our mobile phones. And yet, you know, statistically, despite all this access to pleasure, we live in a world that's more depressed and confused than ever before. Statistics compiled by the mental health charity Mind show that one in four people in the UK experience mental health issues which includes one in six of us who suffer from depression. We live in a world where you can buy whatever you like, whenever you like it, and then we'll even throw in therapy because deep down we know it won't fulfill. Guys, it's an illusion. It's an empty promise. You cannot enjoy life through the gain of pleasure. Oh, you might get some temporary satisfaction, some instant gratification, some feels but ultimately you cannot find lasting and true enjoyment. You cannot find fulfillment through the gain of pleasure. You cannot enjoy life as gain. But then it could be argued though that pursuing pleasure is just a bit basic. It's lowbrow, it's primitive. Surely there's more to life than simple animalistic pleasures. After all, as Shakespeare Hamlet said, what a piece of work is man, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculty. Maybe if we can't gain through pleasure and experiences, then maybe we can gain through, through reason, through education and intelligence, through the gain of wisdom, which is where Kahela takes us next. And once again, it's a pursuit he's uniquely qualified to assess. So back in chapter 1, verse 16, he said, I've increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. 
See, that Kehelith has done the hard yards. He's read the books, attended the courses, debated in seminars, taken the exams. He's possibly even more learned and smarter than Ralph. But as he considers all that he's gained by his endeavours, by all that study in verse 15, this too is meaningless. He grasped for wisdom, all the wisdom that he could find, but when he opened his hands to see what was there, nothing, heaven. Now that's not to say that there isn't any value in wisdom. Of course it's far better to be wise than to be a fool. Verse 13, just as light is better than the darkness, the wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. In other words, learning, knowledge, wisdom all have their place. They are all good things. So if you're currently studying, please don't see this as an invitation to down tools and give it all up as meaningless. That's not what this says. No, wisdom is a good thing. We should and are encouraged to pursue wisdom. But what Kehelith is saying here is that we cannot pursue wisdom as gain. We can't gain some perceived advantage or derived enjoyment. We can't find fulfillment in simply being wise. Because simply put, Death makes a fool of us all. I found this out this week, mind-blowing. Do you know that over 500 people have already had their bodies cryogenically frozen? Most of them in the United States, nearly half of them at the Alcohol Life Extension Foundation in Arizona. The dream of cryonesis is, that one, is to one day cheat death and be resurrected when science and medicine has finally beaten death and disease. It is a multi-million dollar industry employing many apparently wise people. And yet it's widely accepted in the scientific community that cryonics is nothing but a pipe dream. Verse 16, there is no answer to death under the sun. It means eventually these cryonic centers will fail. They'll go out of business. And you know what will happen then? Their assets will be liquidated, quite literally. That's the problem, says Kehelith. In the final analysis, the gain of wisdom confers no advantage over the fool. The same fate overtakes them both. Verse 16, like the fool, the wise too must die. So whilst there is some temporary benefit in wise living, in the end, living life under the sun, the wise and the fool both die. And the accumulated wisdom and knowledge and experience dies with them. Gotta say, this is all fairly bleak and pessimistic, isn't it? But rather than give in to the doom and gloom, then why not try to make the most of the time that we have and leave something of worth behind then? If enjoyment can't be gained through pleasure or wisdom, then maybe, maybe it can be found through our work. Maybe we can make that lasting impression and find fulfillment and enjoyment through our efforts. That appears to be Kahala's train of thought. And yet again, no sooner as he starts to pursue gain in work, verse 18, I hated all the things I had told for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I've poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. He grasped the gain from his work he toiled and labored with all his strength, but when he opened his hands to see what was there, nothing. Heaven. Guys, you can work all day. 
You can work all night. You can work all your life in the hope of producing something of lasting significance, something meaningful and useful to pass on to the next generation. And yet, guess what? After you're gone, those who inherit might just make a mess of it. That's what Kel is saying. Now, you might be hearing this and think, well, that's, that's just hyperbole, isn't it? That's just another bleak and pessimistic view of things. Surely life's not that bad. We've made progress, haven't we? We don't make these mistakes anymore. Well, you know, we might have some technological advantages, but history shows that what Cahelf is talking about happens all the time. So tell me, who here buys their wedding rings at Ratner's? Anyone? Who uses a BlackBerry mobile device? Are Manchester United still the most successful team in Europe, in England, in Manchester? No, for exactly this reason. There is no guarantee that those who come after will steward the work effectively. They can and often do make a total mess of things. You cannot enjoy life as gain. You can try, but it will always fail. The best you can do is store stuff up to pass on to the next generation. But even then, there's no guarantee that the next generation won't turn out to be a bunch of idiots. That's Gehelleth's words, not mine. So where does this leave us then? You cannot enjoy life as gain. In the end, both the wise and the fool die. The, so too the rich and the poor die. So too the one who pursued every pleasure and the one who shunned it all. Actually, when you think about it, death is one of the primary reasons that you cannot enjoy life for gain under the sun. Because death means that everything you gain personally, you will lose. After all, you enter this world with nothing, and you will leave it with nothing. Whatever you seek to gain from this world, you will lose. Actually, Jesus says as much when he tells the parable of the rich fool. Do you remember that one from Sunday school? The rich fool worked all day and night to build bigger barns for himself. And then he said, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. This very night your life will demand it from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Guys, you cannot live life for gain. I just wonder if that's something that you've been trying to do. Something you've been pursuing. If it is, let Kaheleth save you some time and heartache. If you're attempting to gain something, be that pleasure, wisdom, success, whatever it may be, take it from Kaheleth, this teacher, this king who's tried it all. You cannot enjoy life as gain. Let me bring it back to dinner. If you hope to gain satisfaction, fulfillment, enjoyment through a cheeky Nando's or a mixed kebab on the way home, then ultimately you will not enjoy it. It will not satisfy you. Not in the end. If you're living for gain, whatever that gain, every single one of them will disappoint, if not now, certainly in the end when you die and you have to leave it all behind. You cannot enjoy life as gain, but you can enjoy life as a gift. You can enjoy life as a lift. Look at the end of chapter 2, verse 24. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. 
You see, Kahalath says it is possible to enjoy things. It, it is possible to find satisfaction. In fact, he says there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than to enjoy dinner. You see, while you can't enjoy dinner as gain, you can enjoy it as a gift. A gift that comes from the hand of God. This is where true satisfaction, fulfillment and enjoyment comes from. Not from pursuing things for gain, but from receiving them as gifts. Gifts from God. Gifts from the one who transcends the, the hevel of this life under the sun. You know, the reason you cannot enjoy life as gain is because in reality, all the gains of this world are temporary. They're not truly gains. Death puts an end to that. Everything you gain, you will lose. But as you recognize what is given by God, you begin to see something lasting, something permanent, something eternal that you cannot lose. Not just the gift, but the hand that gives. This is how you enjoy dinner. Not as an end in itself, that will only disappoint, but you can enjoy dinner as a gift from God. And of course, the God who gives did so not simply that we might eat or drink, or even find pleasure, wisdom, and satisfaction. No, he gave that we might have life, eternal life. You see, the big story of the Bible is not the story of a king like the one we meet here in Ecclesiastes, a king who pursues everything and yet finds nothing. Now, the story of the Bible is a story of a very different king. He's a king who pursues nothing, but gives everything he has. Think about it. Jesus lived the exact opposite life to Kaheleth. He did not seek pleasure, wisdom, or wealth, although they were all rightfully his to gain. No, Jesus did not live life for gain. But as we read in Philippians chapter 2, though he was in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but rather made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, that the gospel says Jesus didn't seek his fill, rather he gave from his fullness. He gave of himself. He gave himself that we might receive life, eternal life, and with it, enjoyment, satisfaction, and fulfillment. And having received that gift, we're now able to see that all things in this life are gifts from the hand of our Heavenly Father. And that's how we enjoy life. That's how we find true fulfillment. Understanding that none of this is rightfully ours. But all of it is graciously given, given by the one who reached into the world and gave his one and only Son. And as we turn away from all the things that we once thought gain, we instead find our satisfaction and enjoyment in him. So City Church Manchester, I'm going to leave you this evening with a choice. Well, not really me, Kaheleth. You can either pursue gain and find nothing, or you can receive a gift and enjoy everything. Now that's not to say that we won't still experience hevel, that is frustration and disappointment in this world. We will. We will see and experience the vanity of pleasure, wisdom, and work. But, you know, the difference now is that that disappointment won't crush us. It won't defeat us. It won't define us because we won't expect to find lasting enjoyment and fulfillment solely in pleasure, wisdom, and work. Rather, 
we will seek to find it in Jesus Christ. And then we can enjoy life, all of life, not as a gain, but as a gift. All things given by God our Father, not least his Son. And then, you know, even then we'll see that the frustrations, the disappointments, even the hevel of this life will one day find its fulfillment in the life to come. Will you receive the gift of Jesus and with him every good gift from the hand of God? Will you, like me, enjoy your dinner? Let's pray. Maybe take some time to to think through the things you've been pursuing in your life. Maybe think through if there are areas where you've been attempting to gain. Spend some time thinking about the gift, the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of eternal life, the gift that keeps on giving and makes us enjoy all of life. Father God, we praise you for the Lord Jesus, that he is so precious, so wonderful, that he is a gift that you freely gave us, and that through Jesus we can find identity, satisfaction, and worth. And because of him, we can enjoy the life you've given us here on this world, even in pain and suffering, even in disappointment. You can help us rejoice because of all the good things you have given us. Father, help us to be grateful. Help us to keep our feet on the rock that is Christ. Father, we ask for that help through the Holy Spirit. And we praise you again. Amen.